Welcome to Equus Farm Calls, where we take horse owners along with us to discuss important topics on equine health and care with industry experts. Today, we're talking to Dr. Kyla Ortvit about equine arthritis. Equus Farm Calls is brought to you in 2022 by Farnham, the makers of Apple Elite Electrolytes. An electrolyte supplement can't work if your horse won't eat it. Keeping horses hydrated in the heat of summer during competition or other stressful situations can be challenging, especially if they sort powders and pastes are not an option. For horses that are picky eaters, Apple Elite electrolyte pellets is a simple way to encourage water consumption and help maintain hydration year-round, which is important for proper digestion, muscle function, and recovery. These tasty apple-flavored pellets are formulated with a balanced electrolyte profile of the vital minerals needed to help restore your horse's electrolyte levels. Help your horse stay hydrated and keep fluid levels in balance, no matter what the day brings, with Apple Elite electrolyte pellets. I'm Kim Brown, group publisher of Equine Health Network. Dr. Ortvid, who is a DVM and a PhD, also is a diplomate in the American College of Veterinary Surgeons. She's the Jock Jenny Endowed Term Chair of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of Pennsylvania's New Bolton Center. Thank you, Dr. Ortvid, for joining us today on Echoes Farm Calls to talk about equine arthritis. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. It's great to be here. We're really excited about this, and I hate to tell our audience, but we actually were talking about some one of my older geldings here, you know, that has arthritis and so forth. But really, Dr. Ortvid, how widespread is equine arthritis in the horse industry? Yeah, it's a great question, Kim, and I think you bring up a good point, especially when you mention your older horse, because that is the population of horses and of people that we think of of having arthritis pretty ubiquitously. But for sure, we we know that arthritis is much wider spread than that, both in horses and humans. So younger athletes um, are, are, are much more likely to be affected with arthritis due to the wear and tear they put on their bodies. So in horses specifically, we know that most of the horses that we have and in the different disciplines they're in are quite athletic. We ask a lot of them and they and they honestly want to do a lot. Um, it's in their nature to do to be quite athletic and whether that's racing, jumping, um, reining, any sort of discipline, they are using their bodies tremendously. And in terms of, I should probably say, take a step back, in terms of what arthritis is, it simply means degeneration of the joints in our body. And our joints are covered, the end of the long bones are covered with articular cartilage or the cartilage of the joint. And cartilage is an amazing structure in terms of it, it provides this amazing cushion for us in all the things we do. And, I, and I, when I say us, I, I keep going back, back and forth between humans and horses because there are so, so many similar similarities. So this cushion that we have is is a pretty tremendous um, tissue in the body, but it does have its limits. And so when we use it, uh, it, it does encounter some just general wear and tear with the things that we do. And if we're a little rougher, it's going to it's going to encounter a little bit more wear and tear. And then some things can put your cartilage even more at risk. And so I use examples like if you have um, if you have a, a certain, some horses will have confirmation where they have 
more pressure on the inside of the limb than the outside. And so you can imagine if you're dealing with a two cushions on top of each other and one side has more pressure than the other, that cartilage is going to have more wear and tear than the other side. Oh. Another example would be a horse that has a fracture within a joint. When, you, when a fracture um, goes through a joint, it also disrupts the cartilage. So there's lots of things that can affect the cartilage uh, over time within any sort of athlete's um, career. Um, one last example I'll, I'll use is something like a cruciate, cruciate injury. So an ACL injury in a human puts your knee at risk of developing arthritis because it changes the function of your knee and sort of the stability of your knee. So all of these examples I'm giving are not necessarily the the arthritis we think of just affecting the older older generation. It's really something that we are considering in young the younger population of of horses and these animals can develop arthritis at that time and it may not be very severe but it what the other thing we do know about arthritis is that cartilage although it's an amazing tissue and i've i've sung its praises it the one thing that is not good at it is not good at healing so if it gets if it gets worn down if it gets damaged it doesn't heal itself very well and that can lead to progressive degeneration of the joint and that's when we start to see sort of the wider spread um consequences of arthritis the joints get stiff they lose their, their normal range of motion. We get bone growing around the joints to try to stabilize things. We get pain, we get swelling. So all of these things are recognized consequences of the joint kind of undergoing its process of um, degeneration. So all of sort of to, to recap all of that, Kim, one sort of segment of arthritis, lots of things can cause arthritis. And when I'm going to use another example, um, we think about some of the inflammatory arthritis that you see in humans, like rheumatoid arthritis. We don't appreciate any of that in the horse. So the arthritis that I'm really referring to is related to joint wear and tear or joint trauma. Um, and so therefore, it really it can affect any age. And we may not see the very serious consequence of it until the horse is older, but we can't appreciate it in the younger population of horses. And the last take home message of that is that our understanding of this disease as a process with a, with a beginning and an end and our potential to recognize and diagnose it in the earlier stages, that's where we can intervene and potentially change the course of the disease through different therapeutics um, and potentially affect the horse in a way that it's not going to develop severe arthritis in the future. You've made so many great points here and I've been taking a few notes. Let's, while we're on this diagnosis, treatment and prevention, let's talk about that a little bit. How does a vet, if your horse seems to be getting a little stiff, no matter its age, you know, especially if it is an older gelding like I've got. But how would a veterinarian diagnose? And, and when as a horse owner should you say, hey, I'm worried about arthritis in my horse? Yeah, that, another great question, Kim. So I think something that has come about in terms of horse ownership and horse 
med- and equine medical care is that we're dealing with a population of, of horse of people that whether they're a trainer, an owner, um, a manager of horses that are really keen and astute observers of their horse. And arthritis can present early arthritis can pre- present in many different ways. And so you have these people that are very in tune with their horse and they say, you know what? It's, it's not something feels a little bit off in the hind or in the right forelimb. I, you know, it's, I, I can't put my finger on it, but the horse just feels a little bit different. And so that can, you know, that can be a, an early sign that something is not quite right all the way up into my horse is suddenly limping and I've noticed it and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not getting better. And, and so that can be a, a, a bit more of an obvious sign. So everything from subtle performance changes to more obvious lameness issues can be a sign that something's not right. I think in terms of our, as veterinarians, how we evaluate these horses is obviously just starting with a physical exam and looking at all the joints in the, in the um, limbs of the horse. And then we, the other thing we have to think about in terms of arthritis is that it can, in horses, we see quite a bit of neck arthritis. So looking at the neck and the back um, and just doing your physical exam and seeing if there's any localizing signs like heat, pain, swelling of a joint decreased range of motion, stiffness. And then from there, especially if a horse is having some gait asymmetry or some lameness, using our ability to do nerve blocks and joint blocks to localize the source of the pain. And once we localize the source of the pain, then we can start to use our diagnostic imaging uh, options to really look at the joint. So often our first our first go-to would be an x-ray and x-rays are really nice because they are portable. They're relatively affordable and they can give you a really good image of the bones of the joint. The one major downside of x-rays, especially in, in terms of arthritis is that it's not very sensitive in the early stages of arthritis. So we, and everyone I think can probably picture an, an image of an x-ray where even with an untrained eye, you can say, gosh, there's all this bone, extra bone around the joint and it looks very irregular or the joint looks collapsed. Um, that those are signs of arthritis. We know there are signs of arthritis, but once that's happened, that's sort of towards the end stage of the joint. And, and often people, you'll hear people say either my horse has it or I have an end stage joint or I have bone on bone or my horse has bone on bone. And once that's happened, our ability to change the course of um, the disease process is very limited. So earlier um, recognition of arthritis, like I mentioned in the first part, is is really a key point and things that we can use to to recognize arthritis a little bit earlier would be things like ultrasound where we can look at the joint fluid. We can look at the margins of the joint. And then the other sort of more advanced imaging that we've had in our um, wheelhouse more recently, which has really changed our ability to, to diagnose earlier. And this is certainly the way that uh, human doctors will go with, with human patients is using things like MRI and CAT scans to get a in-depth look at the joint. I think 
those are sort of our, if we, you know, if we're, we're using our diagnostic imaging options to make a confirmed diagnosis, you'll also see a lot of, a lot of veterinarians make a presumptive diagnosis. And when I say that, I say we localize the lameness to a specific joint and we can say, okay, this joint is causing some pain. The x-rays look normal, but we're going to make, we're going to use, you know, our, our best assumption in terms of what's most likely and say, there's probably some inflammation in the joint, maybe a little bit cartilage, maybe a little bit of cartilage wear and tear. And we're going to try to treat that joint now and try to prevent the, the joint from having more damage as we move forward. So I think that's also another very useful option that we have in terms of managing these joints. That is such a great thing. So when you talk about treating joints, and you don't have to mention products by name, but what, what are some of the things that we look at when we're looking at trying to treat arthritis in horses? Yeah, so in terms of treatment of arthritis, we we have a huge we have a huge um, arsenal for treating joints, and and I sort of break them up into physical therapies, medical therapies, and then surgical therapies. So for surgical, or sorry, for I'm going to start with the easiest for physical therapies. Physical therapies are anything that you're going to do either manually or or um, with some sort of physical change within the joint that's going to hopefully improve comfort and decrease inflammation and potentially um, slow the progression of arthritis. And when we think about those things, honestly, one of the most simple things is controlled exercise and. I think it's a really important point because some, you know, there's a lot of people when you hear your horse has arthritis, they freeze and they want to protect the horse and they want to put the horse in a stall and let it rest forever. And just like us, if you have arthritis in a joint, anyone who has arthritis knows that if you sit and do nothing, it gets stiffer and stiffer and stiffer and you feel worse. And it's the same with a horse. So just simple um, exercise control, control, you know, you're not going to, force your horse with really bad arthritis to go jump a four foot course, but turn out controlled exercise, ridden work, as long as the horse is comfortable is very important for providing, um, providing some comfort, allowing the horse to be comfortable, use the joint and sort of maintain its range of motion. So that's one thing that's, I think really important. Some of the other physical therapies we think of are, cryotherapy so any cold therapy can help decrease inflammation around a joint shockwave therapy can be very useful for increasing comfort and potentially improving healing of um, joint structures um and uh there's a there's a few other things that we we don't have a ton of evidence they work but anecdotally some owners really like them and feel like they offer more comfort to the horse. And those would include things like laser therapy, magnetic ther- electromagnetic therapy. Um, so there's a whole slew of, of physical therapies that we can do to the help. The, we can do to the horse or to the joint that will help them um, help them feel more comfortable, decrease some inflammation and potentially decrease the progression of disease. In terms of medical therapy, Um, I would say the most common thing that we think about is joint injections. And within the category of joint injections, the 
there's a couple main categories and one would be corticosteroid injections. And there's many options of steroids that we can use for joints. And I think steroids can be really effective at reducing inflammation and reducing pain in a very fast manner. We do need to be somewhat judicious, judicious in our use of steroids because if we overuse them, if we use really high doses or if we use them in inappropriate settings, so potentially a horse that has metabolic disease, we have to be a little bit careful with the steroid administration in those horses because of the risk of laminitis, for example. Um, but if we use them judiciously, they can be very effective um, in, in the ways that I mentioned. Another category is trying to lubricate the joint. If you take the fluid out of your joint, it's very, it's very viscous. It has this sort of sticky, stringy feel. And when the joint starts to get arthritis, it moves more into a watery substance and it's not as good at protecting the cartilage. So something like hyaluronic acid, hyaluron injections are, can be helpful in terms of offering more lubrication to the joint. The next main category is the regenerative medicine therapies. And I'll just, I'll just mention a couple and then sort of briefly discuss how they work. But the, the main ones that we think of include the products that are from that are derived from the horse's own blood. So blood is taken sterilely, it's processed in different ways, and it produces different products. And that could be something like platelet-rich plasma, IRAP. A2M, Prostride, these are all different commercially available substances that can be then used to inject the joint. The other, one of the other main um, regenerative medicine products would be stem cell therapy. So either the horses or another horse's stem cells are um, retrieved and then injected in the joint. And the way that the, sort of the blanket, I'm I don't want to oversimplify it, but the blanket statement of how those work, all of those products work, is that the blood-based products and the stem cells are all, really, they, they decrease inflammation and they provide growth factors that have healing properties within the joint. So you're going to decrease your inflammation and give the joint the best possible place from which to heal with all the growth factors that are in those products. There are sort of a newer, um, an, a newer category of injection, and those are the polyacrylamide gels. Yes. And these gels work to, we don't, we don't have all the details on how they work, but we know that they change the sort of function and structure of the joint capsule. And by doing that, they make the joint a better environment from which to to move and potentially to heal. And those would be the things like Noltrex and Arthromid, which are now available in the United States. Um, and there are some lubrication properties of that product as well. Yeah, and, and those, I mean, just so horse owners don't think we're, we're sticking stuff in horses that we don't know anything about, those have been used in humans for a while. Yeah, so the the polyacrylamide gels, and it's certainly, there, they, there's, there's, data in the literature um it's that supports their use it's just something that because it's newer we don't know a ton about them yet um, right. but there's there's certainly been research studies um and clinical trials with them showing showing how they affect joints 
Yeah. And, and I'm going to go back to prevention just a little bit, because I think yeah. what you said earlier is so important that horse owners, trainers, the people who are around the horses on a day to day basis, if they can observe this and have their veterinarian come in and, and make a diagnosis of potential arthritis, even in a young horse, mm-hmm. there are things that can be done to help physically and medically extend this horse's life as far as its joints are concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of prevention, um, the I think the first just recognizing how your horse moves, how the its conformation affects its limbs um, and getting a good sense of the the soundness of your horse. So you can recognize if, if anything is off. Um, there are certainly a large amount of supplements available in terms of preventative for um preventative for arthritis and i i'm not a big supplement person only because there's not there has not been a lot of research done on them so i think there's a lot out there that don't have any proven efficacy and i think that can be problematic there are some that certainly have more evidence behind them than others and i'm talking mainly about oral supplements in the, in those cases so thing you know the chondroitin sulfates um the hyalurons all of those things that can be um glucosamines all of those that can be administered orally through different products i will say that they're probably the most most researched and and evidence-backed um thing that can be used in prevention of arthritis would be Adequan. So Adequan is a polysulfated glycosamine glycan, which is a long term, but we can just say PS gag. Um, but it's an important part of cartilage and um, synovial fluid. And, and Adequan has been on the market for a long time and can be administered just intramuscularly and has been shown to improve joint health. And so I think something like using something like that as a preventative for your horse especially in a time where the horse has undergone maybe the horse has undergone um a a, some sort of joint trauma it stepped and took a weird step and and has some swelling in the knee um or it had a really it's going into a really hard show season that may be something that you would consider okay this is a time where we're really going to try to protect our joints um and so yeah in terms of prevention i think there are certainly I, I don't think we can bubble while well, we, you could try to bubble wrap your horse, but, but really, you know, just being re- really in tune with them um, and recognizing things, trying to recognize things early, seeking medical help when you, when you think it's indicated. Um, and then like I said, supplements, judicious use of supplements and then um, Adequan. And there's obviously other injectables um, that are in sort of the category of Adequan pentasan polyglycan um and the reason i'm just referring back to adequan is is simply because that that's the product with the most research that's been done so we know that that it is efficacious and i also want to i have to mention one thing because you and i talked about this in another when we actually were talking about veterinarians and uh working with horses is having a good farrier can make a big difference in your horse Kim, absolutely. I should have and and I'm I'm trying to remember all the little pieces, but that should definitely go within the physical therapy part of treatment and prevention. So having a good farrier and having a good relationship with your farrier. And then I also think what's really important, I'm like very lucky lucky to have a farrier on site in New Bolton that's 
incredible. And, and so we work as a team that includes the, our farrier, Pat Riley, the veterinarian here, which would be me or one of the other veterinarians, the veterinarian on the farm, and then the owner, owner or trainer, and really come up with a plan that's going to support the horse the best way that we can do that. And, and I think one of the, probably the most important thing about that I've learned about farrier fairy is that horses are all different. And just like we all are, you may prefer a Nike running shoe, but I like an A6 running shoe better. Um, I think horses, if we follow a prescription of this, we're all horses that have this problem need this. I think we get into trouble and sort of being open to different ways of shoeing and managing and working with the horse and, and also trying not to get the horse to conform into your specific way that you think it should be. Um, Cause obviously all horses are a little bit different. I think that's really important as well. Well, I mean, we could go on talking about this all day. It, it, this is one of those things that I have, uh, you know, dealt with as most horse owners have. And I really appreciate you taking the time today to join us on Equus Farm Calls and talk about equine arthritis. No, my pleasure. And Kim, you're absolutely right. I, this could be a topic for for hours and hours and hours. Um, but it is really important. And it's um, it is something that that unfortunately affects most of us. So it's good to have your knowledge base and recognition because um, there are definitely things that we can do to to help the disease process and help our horses. Um, I appreciate you giving me the time to talk about it. Well, thank you again, Dr. Ortfid, for joining us. And thanks to our audience, uh, our audience for being with us today on Equus Farm Calls. And we welcome your input and hope you'll uh, let us know if you have suggestions or comments. You can email me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. 